Five here on Monday, February 24th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, bunch of stuff to get into today. We're going to talk football. We're going to end the show talking some OSU hoops. Bad day for Cardale yesterday. I want to start off, speaking of quarterbacks, looking at Ohio State's 2020 quarterbacks. I find it very interesting to see who you think is going to be the backup quarterback to Justin Fields. But before we get to that, let's start with Justin Fields. He was so damn good as a sophomore this past season, a Heisman finalist. I thought he'd be like good you know, last year. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I thought he'd be a little bit more raw than he was. I thought there'd be ups and downs. There was just a lot of ups. He got hurt towards the end of the year, and that, you know, that limited his effectiveness. My question for you is, what do you expect out of him this year? Like, How much better do you think Justin Fields can be? Because he was so good last year. Yeah, I think what what was amazing for him, uh, I mean, there were a lot of things. A high completion uh, percentage, very few interceptions. Now, he did fumble the ball a few times, but uh, I think he didn't he double his interception total for the season or, or something or triple it with two in the uh, game against Clemson. I mean, it was his only multi-interception yeah. yeah. game. I think he only had one all season uh, coming into that game, and, and that's uncanny. I mean, a guy to throw the ball that much to only have one interception end up with three or whatever the exact number was for the season I mean to me that that says it all right there I would say uh, the one thing that uh, I would like to see him improve on is his decisiveness whether he's going to run the ball throw the ball step up and throw it or step up and go that's one that your friend Troy Smith the, the one that you immortalized in print many years ago uh, that was one of his uh, sayings was you, you either got to step up and throw or you got to step up and go. He was a little tentative at times <laughs> in the pocket, and I think he he he, he erred on the side of I'm just going to hold this thing and not throw a pick. And sometimes that, you know, was the end of a series or put him, you know, behind and down a distance or whatever. Um, I know Ryan Day would like to see him throw the ball away if there's an issue and not take the sack or make the costly interception. So, you know, just little things, and I think that's something Corey Dennis will be uh, working with him very closely, and obviously Ryan Day will be hands-on as well uh, as uh, the head coach with a guy who, who, you know, really coaches the quarterbacks closely as well. And um, I think Fields is a bright guy, a guy who you know goes into every situation with his eyes open. He attacked the work last year at Ohio State at this time in the in the winter, and 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 basically won everybody over. He was the new guy, but by the end of the winter and the end of the spring, he was the guy. You know, not the new guy. So I think that that's what uh, people are looking at him. You know, to take this team in this program to another level this coming season, which would be to to win a playoff game and get into the national championship game. I think that's the next goal for this uh, program. I don't think that they sit there and they specifically say it. I mean, their overall goal is to win the national championship, certainly. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Fields has what it takes. A lot of people are, are looking at Ohio State-Clemson 
Alabama, those three schools once again uh, to be up or at or near the top, and, and we'll see how it all plays out in the end. But uh, a lot on field shoulders, certainly, and uh, yet you, you know we haven't seen anything yet to, to tell us that he's not the guy for this job. So I'm excited to see where he goes beginning this spring. Yeah, his stats were off the charts, as you mentioned. His touchdown-interception ratio, never seen anything like it. And 41 touchdowns, three interceptions. <laughs> it actually, and, you know, you see those three interceptions, you're like, damn, that's, that's, that's a lot, because he had one for the entire season before that Clemson game. But, yeah, yeah you, you step back and look at it now, like 41 touchdowns, three interceptions, um, just a crazy TD-to-interception ratio. All right, uh, the aforementioned interesting question. I'm curious to get your take on this. We'll give my take after you give yours. Um, hopefully nothing happens to Justin, obviously. Uh, who do you think is going to be his backup, his main backup? That's a great question. C.J. Stroud is the guy coming in with all the buzz, a national top 50 prospect out of California. Of course, you got Jack Miller, the other guy, who was a national top 100 prospect at one time. Some injuries his junior and senior year kind of clouded what he might be able to do. They were both the Elite 11 uh, last year, C.J. Stroud won the Elite 11 MVP, I believe, so uh, he may have a leg up in this thing. Uh, Stroud, to me, is almost the perfect uh, uh, combination of pocket passer and runner that you'd want for this offense. I think Miller can be, provided his injuries don't you know, hold him back or he doesn't suffer any uh, physical setbacks, and I think that's been the, the biggest thing holding him back here. Uh, he showed up, you know, we talked to him a couple weeks ago on signing day, and he is, uh, you know, gung-ho. He says, hey, I'm going to compete just as hard as anybody else, and he's going to make it a battle with C.J. Stroud, and I wouldn't count Jack Miller out. And it's good that you've got two guys in that class because uh, one of them needs to uh, step forward and probably be the starter in 2020. you got Kyle McCord in 2021 coming in a current uh, well he'll be a high school senior this upcoming uh, school year so I think uh, Miller and Stroud both enrolled early both will be there all spring long Corey Dennis Ryan Day as we talked about it going to get their hands on these guys and uh, see what uh, each of them are made of and it is a crucible there's no question about it every day they're assessed on everything that they do and it's on the field, off the field, leadership, you know, academics, uh, class attendance, uh, promptness, you know, how are you doing in the workouts? Are you a, a competitor in the off-season workouts and everything else? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's man on man. I think Stroud has the inside track just because uh, he is, he finished his high school career healthy and uh, has that buzz. You know, he's a top 50 guy. He's a guy that's got all those intangibles that you're looking for. And uh, to me, I'm just, uh, again, the limited chances we're going to get to see these guys practice starting, I believe, a week from tomorrow. And uh, in talking to some people, it sounds like they may practice two or three times the first week before they go on spring break and then come back with four more weeks leading up to the spring game, I think April the 11th, which is, you know, obviously going to be open and televised and That'll be the day. Fields will probably get two series, and then Miller and Stroud will go head to head. You would think for the rest of that game. So, what do you uh, think about uh, Gunner Hoke? He's like been completely lost in the shuffle here. And I, I, I you know, I'll, like I said, my take is I'll just give mine real quick. I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. I think he will be the backup. But what, is Gunner Hoke completely out of the picture? You think? Excuse me, Dave. Who are you talking about? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> I think, I think, I think that you know, as a guy that's got game experience, I think that's where he would come in. And if they got into a tough spot against, say, Iowa or Nebraska, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, and let's say Fields gets dinged up, and they don't necessarily feel that Stroud or Miller are ready to go. I think Hoke is an old an old faithful type guy that you can say, okay, he's at least played. He can receive a snap and distribute the football to somebody and uh keep 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 the offense, you know, at, at least treading water until Fields gets back. So I, that's that's the role I would think for Hoke. I mean you, you know, you posed it to me. Who's going to be the backup? In my mind, immediately went to those younger guys, just because I think you got to get somebody ready uh, for 2021. But at the same time, you know, if Fields was lost for the year in in week two, and, and God forbid that that anything crazy like that would ever happen, Hoke would certainly be in the running to play, just because he's played previously and. Uh, so, you know, do I want to completely 100% discount him? I guess not. But I do believe, uh, you know, his role is is to be there, you know, break glass in case of emergency. But I think the other guys, uh, you know, you've got to get one or both of those guys ready to go for the following year. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I, I like Jack Miller. It's no uh, People hear me talk about C.J. Stroud. It's not a – Knock against any other year, be like, man, this guy, this is guy is going to be the future. But I just, I love C.J. Stroud. I'll just put it out there. I just think he, uh, I love his film, and then getting a chance to sit down and, you know, chat with him for like, man, he was there for like a good 25 minutes. Um, I'm just as impressed with him off the field. I think that's huge for a quarterback. Jack Miller is impressive off the field too. Uh, so we'll see how it shakes out. It's a, a damn good quote unquote problem to have for Ryan Day. Not a problem at all to have those, both those guys in the program. But I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Uh, I want to ask you about running back, then we'll move on to other topics um, outside of the 2020 team. Um, you know, I think Master Teague's going to be the starter. I'm, I'm curious if you agree with that. And who do you think is just going to be the main two guys? I, I seriously doubt there's going to be three guys that get a lot of carries, but there'll probably be two guys. Who do think is going to be the main two guys? think it'll be Teague and Crowley, or do you see somebody else stepping up? Well, we saw more of Crowley this past year, and, and when we saw him, he was really good. Now, obviously, is he banged up? What's the situation? You got Steel Chambers is also uh, in this mix, so I'm I am interested to see uh, who emerges, who's available. Uh, doesn't sound, I believe, it doesn't sound like Crowley's going to be uh, that available uh, for spring football. But uh, Steel Chambers, you know, bo- both Crowley, Crowley averaged almost 10 yards to carry this past year. Chambers averaged seven yards a carry. Granted, they were in mostly in mop-up time. Uh, Teague uh, was the, the the primary backup, and he had a, uh, around 800 yards this past year, averaged about six yards a carry himself. And, you know, I kind of likened him a little bit to Raymond Harris, a guy that, you know, between the tackles is going to get you that four or five yards, and you're going to line up and do it again and do it again and do it again. And uh, eventually he wears, you know, he – he wears down, as our our old friend Mr. Bucknuts used to say. He wears down. Uh, what was it? I wore down uh, their fist with my chin, type thing. You know, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a thing where you just chip away, chip away, and eventually you land that knockout blow. So I think. Uh, now I say that, and people got on me on our message board. Well, Master Teague was a great uh, track athlete. La 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 with great forty time or great one hundred time, and I'm like, well. 
He may have great track speed. He may have great 40 speed, but he didn't really display that. Uh, and it could have been a, a body transformation Mick Marotti thing where they put the weight on him knowing he was going to need to be durable to play the running back position, and maybe he's lost a half step. I don't know because I, I honestly didn't follow him in high school to know that he was this great track or 40 guy, but um, that's what you want to see more of now is get back to that with, with Dobbins you know, eventually became a home run hitter. I think the same thing is true of Master Teague. I think they're just going to refine him and mold him in the proper uh, form to get him to be exactly what they want, which is an every down back. Now, I could see a scenario where he only gets 15, 18 carries a game. One, because they're blowing people out. And uh, two, because Crowley and Chambers are both going to deserve to play. And the forgotten Buckeye in all this is Demario McCall. Just seems like he's been pigeonholed as the return guy, and do, will not touch ball under scrimmage conditions under penalty of death. It seems so. <laughs> you know, no passes, no you know old uh, J.T. Barrett uh, sugar sweep. You know, toss to the motion man. Uh, they don't use him for any reason on offense, and I've never figured out quite why. But uh, he's a weapon that, that could come in there at some point as well. But uh, I think it was late in the season, in 18, was it? Uh, Dobbins and Weber may have both been banged up, and they, they had to put McCall in the game, and he did pretty well. I think it was at Maryland. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to see a little bit of him too. But, uh, yeah, I look for those three, four guys primarily to, to handle the work. And I, I think Teague and then whoever comes out of it, Chambers will get the leg up because he'll be there this spring. I'm not sure about Crowley. So, you know, I guess we'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it sounds like Crowley. I mean, they're, they, you know, they're hush-hush about injuries over there. And I, I would do it the exact same way as Ryan Day. So I don't follow him at all, even being a, a member of the media. If I was a coach, why tell your opponents, you know, the injury status of your players and make things easier for them? But the little that has trickled out, it sounds like Crowley, uh, from what I've heard, is going to miss spring. And, but he should be ready for, for camp, so – Get him healthy. He looked good, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Steel Chambers is a guy people tend to forget about. Don't forget about him. Um, you know, he's a. Uh, I got a chance to finally talk to him. At speaking of, of talking to these guys off the field, I got a chance to have a one-on-one interview with him at Fiesta Bowl media day right before the Clemson game, and he's an impressive dude. You know, off the field. Um, so he's a big guy. I mean, he could play linebacker at this level. He's a physical guy with speed. So Steel Chambers is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. But I do think it'll be Master Teague and Marcus Crowley will get the most of the carries. I'm with you on that. I think Steel Chambers will be definitely in the mix. All right, let's move on to the hardwood. I've been talking a lot about Ohio State basketball on the show because they've been kind of boring. They've been underachieving. But what a huge win yesterday over Maryland. Number seven Maryland comes to Columbus. You were there covering it as usual. And the Buckeyes, a a massive win, 79-72 over the Terrapins. Uh, Just your thoughts on the Buckeyes picking up that big win, Steve. Well, I thought they they played an outstanding game, uh, very good defensively, did not let uh, Jalen Smith, the outstanding 6'10 senior or center, or Anthony Cowan, their outstanding point guard, didn't let either of them achieve anything near what they'd been averaging all season and really frustrated both guys. And, of course, Cowan, uh, he was assessed a technical foul, and and, uh, that was his fifth foul with about four minutes to go. And that pretty much signaled the end of the game because, uh, you know, Maryland without him is not quite as special. I think Maryland has the potential to be a Final Four team. I mean, they'd won their last nine games in a row, 
if they win their next seven, which would be four in the regular season and three in the Big Ten tournament, I wonder how they'd have a hard time not giving them a one seed for the NCAA tournament. But uh, specifically with you know San Diego State, Gonzaga losing this past weekend, you know they're not the pat hands that everybody thought that they were. So uh, I think that uh, again, this was another huge win for Ohio State. They went through the rough stretch in January, two and five. But they are six and two in their last eight games, going on the road uh, this Thursday at Nebraska. The situation with Kyle Young up in the air, injured his ankle, and uh, the DJ Carton thing never really even came up. Twenty minutes, uh, Coach Holtman spoke after the game on Sunday, and you just get this sense that they are moving on. Uh, and I don't mean in a bad way or in any kind of disrespect. They are just going to play with the guys that they have. And uh, I don't know that we'll see Carton back on the uh, court this season for Ohio State. I think he's got to figure out whatever it is that's been bothering him. It was a good first step, I guess, that he returned to Columbus this past weekend uh, uh, to to come back to Ohio State and get get back into school. But uh, you know, getting back into school and getting back on the court, two different things. And uh, so comfortability for him, we'll see. But Luther Muhammad, huge game, obviously, 22 points. Caleb Wesson, huge game, 15 points, nine rebounds. He outworked Jalen Smith, and that was a good bounce-back game for him. He rarely plays two bad games in a row, and he did not play well against Iowa. Luca Garza you know, ate him and Ohio State up in that game at Iowa. And as Coach Holtman said, we win as a team, we lose as a team. Caleb's going to get some criticism because he's our best player, and when things don't go well or he doesn't play necessarily up to his standards, uh, he's going to hear some criticism for that, but uh, you know, give him all the credit in the world for coming back on Sunday at home and playing one of his better games. So, uh, bully for him on that. And uh, Mark Turgeon did refer to him as a bully in the post. So, <laughs> hey, when he's your bully, you root for him. And uh, you know, the physicality of these games, Dave. I'm down there taking pictures. It's it's unbelievable. And uh, you know, it it's not college basketball that I remember from years ago. It's uh, it's it's basically slug it out, and uh, whoever survives comes out the other end is is the winner. So in this case, it was Ohio State, and yet you know they've got to go on the road, got to take care of Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska's won since early January, probably lost ten, twelve games in a row, and uh, I believe they have a game tonight with Illinois. I think OSU, uh, well, it's uh, Illinois and Nebraska. I think tonight. So. And then Ohio State at Nebraska Thursday. So I'm uh, got to win that one, obviously, back home, I think, with Michigan perhaps next Sunday, then Illinois at midweek, and then at Michigan State. That'll be a tough one uh, the last game of the season. So they could win these next three, Dave, and get to 21 wins. That'd be really, really good for them. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I mean, they're not a lock. They can't just lose out, but I feel like they're pretty damn close to being a lock being an NCAA tournament team and the way things were no looking doubt. there in January. Um, <laughs> yeah, no yeah I mean, like, yeah, like the computers like them as like a top, you know, what, top 20 team, top 15 they team? They're going to be right then, around 20. I, I didn't look today. They were like 21 or 22 going into the game, and, and Maryland was seven. So when you beat number seven, even at home, you're going to move up at least a couple spots. So they're firmly in the top yeah. 20 in the computers. They were 25 in the AP poll. They lost, obviously, 
at Iowa, which I don't think, I think voters are probably going to be more swayed by the fact they beat number seven, Maryland. And it wouldn't surprise me if they bump them up to like 21 or 22 this week, at least after that big home win. I mean, they've got four wins over AP top 10 teams on game day. Now we know North Carolina was shaky, certainly, but uh, is shaky under 500. But uh, Villanova, uh, Kentucky, and Maryland, all legit, plus wins over Penn State and Cincinnati. That's five teams that are at or near the top of their conferences, respective conferences. So uh, that, that says a lot for their resume. Dayton Flyers could move up to like third in the country, <laughs> you know, today. Yeah. You got Wright State. You know, Wright State yeah. was in the others receiving votes. They had the one guy that was giving them the others receiving votes. They had one vote the last couple of weeks. That's going to go away because my Wright State Raiders, even though they're 24-6, and six, they managed to lose to Youngstown State. But, man, Dayton could be number three. You know, I, I saw somebody on Twitter said something about adjusted defense or, you know, those new generation statistics that they use and that nobody outside the top 30 in, uh, you know, whatever the adjusted defense stat was has made the Final Four. And Dayton in adjusted defense is only like 59, something like that. So I don't know how that equates if they're saying that, okay, when they get in against an efficient offensive team, from a major conference, per se, I don't know. Are they going to have a problem? I don't know. But they look awfully good right now. And I think, you know, what bothers me is that the people assume that Gonzaga and San Diego State deserve this special consideration for some reason, but Dayton doesn't. And I, I'm sorry, but the records are comparable. I mean, Dayton's only lost two games the entire season. And how do we really know that what San Diego State has played is any different or better than uh, what uh, what Dayton's played? I mean, Dayton's two losses are to the top team in the Pac-12, or one of the top teams, uh, with uh, Colorado and to Kansas, both in overtime. And uh, Kansas probably be one or two uh, today after beating Baylor. So, you know, it's all fun to argue, I guess, about now. And uh, you just hope the committee gives everybody a fair shake uh, when they get into the deliberations and get some fair seating right now, I'd say for Ohio State, it's somewhere around that seven line to where, you know, maybe they'd get a second round game with a Dayton as a two seed or something crazy like that up in Cleveland. Just say a prayer. So, yeah, man, that would be so cool. So if you win the game, then bully for you, you beat Dayton. If you lost the game, you lost to a great team in Dayton. And now the state of Ohio has got a team with Dayton that they can follow on uh, wherever they go. So, yeah, it, uh, it's going to be a fun march, I think. I'm sure Mr. Bucknuts, who I'm sure listens to every show, is going to be pleased that we're talking some uh, Dayton Flyers Dayton basketball. basketball on the, the Bucknuts Morning 5. All right, let's move on. Cardale Jones, last thing here. It's been a kind of a oh, dream scenario for him through the first two weeks of the XFL. Uh, it, uh, the dream ended yesterday. It was a nightmare for him. Uh, I did the story for our site. I watched a good portion of the game. I know you were covering a basketball game. It worked out great for me. As soon as the basketball game ended, well, as soon as the game, was, you know, I, I missed maybe the first five minutes of the XFL game. But the D.C. Destroyers got, uh, or the D.C. Defenders got destroyed. Uh, Jones was terrible. 13 of 26, 103 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, so now you have all oh, the people coming out, coming out of the woodwork saying, see, I told you Cardale Jones sucked. Where were you the last two weeks when he looked good? Uh, you know. Right, we'll, we'll see 
how it pans out the rest of this XFL season. But he looked terrible yesterday. Um, but I'm still intrigued by this league. I do think it's going to make it. Um, but just your thoughts on, you know, I, I know you get, probably didn't get a chance to see much of Cardale yesterday, but kind of how he's doing. The ratings are really good in Ohio. I haven't talked to you about this yet. Just uh, where do you stand on this uh, rebooted XFL? Uh, we need expansion XFL to play at the Ohio Stadium is what they need now. There are Big Ten rules, however, about uh, letting professional teams play there. Illinois had to get a waiver. Uh, if you will remember when the Chicago Bears, they were renovating uh, Soldier Field about eight, ten years ago, and they got to play some of their games or a whole season at Champaign instead of Chicago. And uh, there are Big Ten rules that preclude professional teams from using your uh, – facilities and and that's something that they'd have to get i'm on a tangent i know but people have thought hey you know can columbus get a team maybe the new mls stadium could be an xfl stadium i don't know yes yeah that would be my uh, that's what i would go with the new xfl stadium it's working for it's working for the dc team they use their new xfl stadium yeah go ahead it's not big enough though because in ohio they'd sell forty thousand tickets the drop of a hat so you know, particularly if you had a Cardale Jones or an Ohio State guy as the, as the ringleader. But at any rate, I think it's a great league to give guys a second chance at uh, professional football. No, nobody is going to get rich. Colin Kaepernick's not going to play in this league for, uh, you know, $20,000 a game or whatever it is that they're paying these guys. Uh, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. But uh, I think it is great for guys like Cardale Jones to get a second chance to show, hey, maybe I got the bums rush out of the NFL. And there's going to be ups and downs. And there's professional coaching uh, on both sides in these games. And I think what people did was they looked at some of the things he excelled with his first two weeks, and whoever that they were playing certainly came up with a great defensive game plan, and they executed it, and and that's how it works. So would it have been great had he gone, uh, whatever it is, 10-0 and won the league MVP and and gotten an NFL contract out of it? Yeah. Could that still happen? Yeah. So uh, let's don't, you know, one bad game is not going to end his professional football career. I know that. And uh, he's going to be smiling and back out there today grinding and trying to get back at it. So uh, let's see how he comes back from this next week. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate you jumping on, Steve, and appreciate all of us out there for tuning in. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. (laughs) 